0: Today on Happy Sad Confused, Kenneth Brana on murder and mustaches. Hi guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Sammy is the portal of mustache mustaches. It doesn't sound right as I say it. Mus- Mus-
1: mustaches. Mustachios. Must mustache.
0: M- Mustachio.
1: Or th- yeah, because like oh, they all have nice. Mustaches It
0: feels like it should be one of those words Where the plural is the same as the singular Like mustache should also refer to multiple mustaches but
1: They have nice mustache No, no, no That doesn't make
0: sense We're going to settle this with Ken Branagh No, we're not
1: um, Hi, guys Welcome to another
0: edition of Happy, Second Confused My little podcast where I talk to big-time movie stars and directors And Kenneth Branagh certainly fits that bill He's both He's an amazing actor yeah. An amazing director His new film is Murder on the Oriented Ex- Express Murder it, yeah, That's the way you have to say it um, and it stars him as Hercule Poirot. One more
1: time?
0: H- Hercule Poirot.
1: So, yeah.
0: Um, uh, alongside the likes of Johnny Depp, Penelope Cruz, Daisy Ridley, Josh Gad It's an all star cast. Uh, Dame guest.
1: Judy Dench?
0: I'm sorry, Dame Judy Dench, Derek Jacobi. Okay.
1: Leslie Odom Jr. Okay.
0: I can't list the entire cast right here. We only have so much time. I
1: can't believe you didn't say Dame Judy Dent first. Yeah. Well, I failed She's you. She's not coming on anymore. <laughs> She's off the list. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: Sammy, that's Sammy's voice. Hey. Uh, we also have, um, uh, lurking in the background, uh, Longtime Happy Second confused listeners mm-hmm. will know that uh, Joel...
2: That, I am one of the same of the longtime listener and myself. I am Joel.
0: Joel, what happens? You, you 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 were on the podcast for a while and then uh you weren't.
2: I wasn't. I wasn't. Was, was
0: that voluntary or did I fire you? I can't remember now.
2: Honestly, it it it's all the same difference. But I think it was it just goes back to before we were rolling when you were saying, um you were thanking me for making your career, and then you said you got really jealous that I was starting to overshadow you. So, so yeah, I think Sam, you did take fire. back the microphone. You, did, you <laughs> did fire <Yeah. laughs> me.
0: Um, it's so thrilling to have Joel back for this cameo on it this episode. Really is.
1: If everyone could see what Joel's face looked like right now, it's so appropriate because he's got. The-
0: Massive facial hair,
1: crazy beard and mustache happening. What's the plan for
0: this? What's the plan for this besides repelling the female uh, uh, gender? The plan for my face? Yeah, just like what's the long term plan? Are you going to have this the rest of your life?
2: Much like our work together, it wasn't really well thought out. (laughs) (laughs) It just happened, and I went with it. Uh,
0: You should become Amish. You should. I mean, there are only so many things you can do with that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. I guess it is. It's Amish or nothing or bust. So. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot
1: of uh, sex have. have
2: <laughs> it's a hard a word to pronounce.
1: Religious sex. of oh, sex. It's, it's have beards. It's
0: ironic that Joel decided to grow this out after he moved out of New York, away from, you know, the Brooklyn hipsters where he could have fit in well. And now he's.
1: Because he wants everyone in L.A. to know that he's a New Yorker. He's like, oh, I'm not really from here. LA's stupid. I'm really from New York. <laughs>
2: I live. I live in LA. For, do you, li- for the listeners at home, do you, are you driving now? No. It's so weird. I don't, what that, that I don't drive? Or? Yeah. Okay. This is also, someone. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: I don't live in Los Angeles. They, so
1: if you moved to Los Angeles, would you learn how to drive? No. Okay. But I'm not <laughs> moving to Los Angeles. The only adult here that can drive. I would like to no,
2: say I you're can, both idiots. I can drive. I choose not to drive. Okay. I don't own a car. I can drive. How often does that pose a problem for you? Never. <laughs> no, never. Well, he
1: doesn't I, leave I, his house and he just grows his beard. So obviously, it's, a lot of it's not going great.
2: <laughs> you know, let's let's talk about film.
0: Okay, let's talk about Kenneth Branagh. What's your favorite Kenneth Branagh?
1: Gilderoy Lockhart.
0: That's not a movie. That's a character.
1: Well, yes. He was... Then Gilderoy he, Lockhart In Harry Potter In the Chamber of Secrets <laughs> And he was so good
0: He was delightful He's always delightful he I, so
1: charming So handsome
0: He, he I, I've always had a Great affection for all His work from Henry V Hamlet Much Do about nothing Wild Wild West Yes Okay this is why Joel's not welcome here
2: But, oh, but that's a That's a fun film it's okay. There, but, uh, no, it's I Now talking about the canon, that the the fact that he can pull that off. Right, he went for it. Yeah. He certainly he certainly I, went I, for I, it. I mean, that with no irony. Okay. He really also, is it's a fun performance.
1: Also, it's a great movie. You got Will Smith. You have a great song.
2: That <laughs> you make. really lost steam really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Klein, though. Was
1: You've got Kevin Klein. You've got Selma, Selma Hayek. Wow.
0: If you, if you want to got, go back into the archives of Happy Second Fuses, I recall, Kevin Klein had some good stories about uh, Wild Wild West and how the turning point when he realized that they were in trouble on that one.
1: What was it? Well, you have to listen right, for yourself. All right, all right.
0: Just D- because you're a, a co-host of D- the intro doesn't mean you yeah. get any kind of special dispensation. Okay,
2: but uh, I'm also excited the new Thor movie comes out, and uh, he directed the first one.
0: There's symmetry. Last week's guest, by the time people listen to this, the new Thor um, movie is out. Last week's guest was uh, Taika Waititi. Ugh, still, still fun to say that Just name It's so wonderful uh, Yeah, so uh, we're, we're passing the baton In reverse order, apparently And skipping over Alan Taylor, the second direction <laughs> <laughs> So none of it really makes any sense yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> But hey, thanks for bringing that back around
0: Yeah, he connected it Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Thor Ragnarok is excellent, you don't need me to tell you that It's got an amazing reviews, it's made a gajillion dollars By the time you hear this, but uh, it's great
2: Does it have Will Smith? No Kevin Klein. Over oh, for two Selma Hayek
0: No A mechanical spider
1: Bitchin theme song.
0: Okay, uh, apparently you
2: guys prefer Wild Wild West over Throw I, r- I rank
1: every movie against Wild Wild West, and if it doesn't have at least one of the same elements, it's not a good movie. Yeah.
2: Thus, you know,
0: do you just walk <laughs> yeah. out of a do you walk out of a movie just being like it was a good but mm, not,
1: no Wild Wild West? No, yeah, I do.
0: Wow. Um, okay, let's class it up. Will
1: Smith's still here for you? Waiting for you to come in. We'd love to do a sketch.
0: Bright is coming up end of the year. His new big movie.
2: Is that like the uh like ripped? R.I.P.D? Yeah.
0: Did we see R.I.P.D. together? I saw, or no, it. That's a b- I, I saw it alone.
2: <laughs> it was a dark
0: time. I did the junket for R.I.P.D. That was a dark time.
2: Yeah. Well, who, for who was it darkest for? It was for everybody. Yeah.
0: It was Bridges. Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds were paired Wait. together. They knew that was not going to be.
2: But it feels like a similar premise, right? Yeah, the title's right? great.
0: It's a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit um, Men in blacky. A little bit R.I.P.D.-y. It's uh, a little Alienation-y, if you remember that old sci-fi movie. It's great. Yeah, that's bright, but
1: we're going to talk about bright down let's the line. People talk want about murder,
0: and let's go to Kenneth Brano. We ready?
1: On the Orient Express, choo choo. It's really scary.
2: says, <laughs> as the knife goes.
1: Choo choo.
0: <laughs> it's it's uh it. it's always a pleasure to be uh joined by the only man that maybe loves Tom Hiddleston more than I, Mr. Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's very nice to be here It's good to see you uh, You know, I just was literally just working with Tom Hiddleston direct, Directing him as Hamlet you, He was a very, very, very fine Hamlet At the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts A nice, uh,
0: quick, limited run It was uh, a limited a tough run tough ticket, yeah. as I understand oh, it Yeah,
3: I mean, it was That was the, 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 the frustration But we also, we wanted to do it in this very intimate way 180-seat theatre there uh, at the Royal Academy We, we were trying to raise funds, bring new people into the academy. We've got this big capital um, uh, campaign. We're we're trying to build some accommodation for first-year students. Difficult thing to achieve. You come to the big city for the first time, it's going to make a big difference to that place. But the real thing was to kind of complete, was to try and um, absolutely meet... Um, you know Tom's um, brilliance. The, the noise you may hear is not Tom Hiddleston, but Tom is barged in <laughs> but, but, with d- their tea. D- d- yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, but it's another tea. It's it's uh, it's, it's British tea. Um, you know he had uh, such a sort of. Um, yeah, an interior an interior Hamlet, and it really s- uh, suited the smaller space. It was great to see. So, well, you know, all the tickets were, were available by right. lottery, which was completely fair. We didn't do any – there was no scamming, shmamming. And, and uh, uh, so we had a really incredibly diverse, interesting audiences from all over, all over the world. But the main thing was we got to pursue the work in this um, – you know, really kind of unusual, you know, protected environment in a way, creatively protected. Um, is, and it was there, great.
0: Is there any interest in doing it on a different scale or do, or was that part and parcel of the, what you were trying to do? It was
3: Would always you- about just doing it there. And, um, you know, we used, um, all, all of the technical staff were students. Yeah. Um, and we had a couple of uh, students who, who got their first jobs in that, in that show. And, um, it was really it was about it really was sort of about the work opening up the place to the outside world and the start of something who knows um we never had it we literally never had a conversation about where it could go or right. what it might do it was just about there, and that in itself you know really did genuinely kind of take a take um a, a pressure off um you know some sort of you know larger We're thing We're eyeing of, Tony's in 2019 yeah, or whatever no let's yeah. just do the work and do it on its own and, yeah, and make see, it that and rewarding it in goes. Of itself yeah, yeah because you you know you just you just you don't know and as soon as you as soon as you you right. know, bring the other thing, in, it does some, It does something to the original work. I'm so sure. it was it was a very it was an unusual and really really pleasing thing to do. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll c-
0: circle back around to Hamlet in some uh, fashion in the course of this conversation because it inevitably does. But I do want to start off with um, uh, your wonderful new work, Murder on the Orient Express. Congratulations! Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, uh, we, we've talked before uh, a number of times, but talked specifically about my love for your. Um, infamously 70 millimeter version of hamlet (laughs) um and you have now returned to that format as very few people have um you've now directed two of perhaps i could count on one hand in the last 25 years Mm -hmm. films that have been featured in this amazing presentation and as a as a film geek it's always an event and um i got to see it presented in that in that format Mm -hmm. and it was wonderful um and i'm just curious talk to me has there been has there been an effort in the years since hamlet to do any of your projects in 70 millimeter
3: um, no, uh, the all all my projects since have been, and indeed all the movies I've directed have been shot on, on film. Um, so I guess that the, the 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 film flag was always flying in that way. Mm-hmm. But I was aware, even you know back then and now again, that um, it is it's a different kind of uh, post production workflow. The when you shoot, it's different. The thrill starts from once you pick up a piece of the seventy mil or sixty five mil, as it is, um, with the other five mils for the soundtrack eventually. But the um, when you pick up that that negative and you see it you see how how much bigger it is and i have some frames of the movie um a murder f- um, th- from from photochem with a lab in in la who struck the prints and um it's just it you re- you, f- you feel you feel it taste it smell it kind of yeah. thrill to it all uh, but it, but it does it's quite a it's quite a rigmarole and in our digital world um it it, it it's a, a movie Company really has to make a kind of decision about it. So, hats off to 20th Century Fox yeah. and Emma Watts, particularly, whose who's sort of a vision behind the potential for Agatha Christie out in the film world was looking to find uh, filmmakers who were going to have a point of view. And mine was certainly that this story and these kinds of stories take me right back to my early experiences of seeing films with my family. Seven, eight years old was when I first remember being taken to the cinema in Belfast. I mean, obviously, I'd watched films... On, on television in our, you know, I'm such a dinosaur that, you know, that it was black and white, and that's how I saw a lot of old Hollywood movies mm. on the television. But going out to see that era of cinema scope, widescreen, colour saturated, sort of often star laden, um, to give an example of one of the ones we had to see, The Great Escape. Sure. Um, where, you know, Steve McQueen, James Garner, and Richard Attenborough, and all these people, and uh, and, and a big story where somehow all of that Star power or just acting excellence was required. The images were all-encompassing, so you, you felt like you travelled on that motorbike across uh, Austria as Steve McQueen tried to escape. Right, um, and it was very immersive. The same thing happened with something like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, sure. Which same sort of vintage. I had one of the biggest thrills the other night meeting Dick Van Dyke oh and being God. able to say thank you very much. You kind of it, it, the weird kind of it, it, that. Yeah, you wouldn't uh,
0: necessarily connect it at, at first blush, but, no, but there so, but, is a lineage. Yeah, he goes
3: widescreen all the way from you know darkened uh, movie theater in Belfast when I'm eight years old, and that movie was uh, opened in in the December of uh, of '68. I was taken to see it for my for my eighth birthday, and uh, it was just the the escape of it. So when I when Fox brought this idea up, I said, "You really got to give people a reason to say, do we'?" Do we want to see this again? Agatha Christie's all over the television. What would be... The film has been done by our master in the past, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So I said here's where I'd start You know, we've got to take them on the train we just have to say you have to come to the cinema and when you do uh, we'll start differently if you know the book that's not how the book starts if you know the 74 movie it's not how that starts we'll take you somewhere else and it'll be a big sensorial kind of experience of going to Jerusalem and, and, uh, and, and introducing our, us to our, our new Poirot and to this sort of immersive um, 70 mil world
0: yeah and one of the interesting things uh, is, um, you know, I think of something like Hateful Eight that, that utilized that format as well, which um, surprised some people at the time. And, and, and I see kind of like you utilize it in a similar fashion to the way Quentin did, in that um, you have the vistas and the beautiful train and the outdoor stuff and the prologue, but there's also, um, first of all, you, when you have actors of this caliber and beauty and et cetera, there's nothing like a close-up of just Ooh. like projected in 70 millimeter yeah. of the of Johnny Depp's face sure uh, sure 30 50 60 feet up and but also just filling the frame and filling the frame with people um, you know a great depth of, of uh, you know eight different amazing actors in the same shot and kind of like filling every nook and cranny with with action to kind of um, feast your eyes on.
3: Well, I, I knew for instance, I, I remember seeing a still from the '74 film. And seeing, I counted them up, and I thought, "God, that's a sixteen shot." You know, you might talk about a two shot, or a th- <laughs> right. that's a sixteen shot. And they didn't teach that at film school. No, they're all <laughs> yeah. yeah give, give me, give me the lens that gives me the the, the, the sixteen shot. And I had this idea, particularly um, strongly, that when I went for um, uh, like I think last time we spoke for, uh, for Cinderella, mm-hmm. um, I'd, I'd gone around the world um, uh, when it was opening, and one of the play I try it everywhere. Um, the, the, usually the schedule is pretty tight, but I basically try and make sure I know I've been somewhere, right. you know, not just uh, <laughs> <At> the <laughs> interior <laughs> of a nice four seasons. Yeah, exactly. So I was in Milan, and uh, I said, "What? Can, can, can it, it, well, we got half an hour? Can I get to see the Last Supper? Can I get to see Da Vinci's painting?" Um, and I thought it was a canvas. I, I, I was ignorant about what it really was, but it's a, it's painted onto a wall in a chapel in uh, in Milan. And so I did get there for you know, and Obviously, people go do just that. So I stood in front of it for 20 minutes, and um, and I, I, uh, I, when I came to the beginning of the the sort of end sequence of uh, murder, where we wanted to get get the get the the characters out of the train yeah. carriage and have them in something that, in its very presentation, was punchy. Uh, I.e., in this case, we recreated the Last Supper, yeah. which can also evoke the idea of a jury. Which, which, and in both cases, Agatha Christie sort of alludes to both. But because of po- Poirot uh, reaching a point in the story where he is starting to put everything together, it feels you have a license for him to somehow see it in classical terms, mm-hmm. like he puts them into that painting. Because now he's going to work out who Judas is, <laughs> and and you do seventy mil, and you realise, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be at that level of depth and 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 uh, this could actually work. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see that that uh, it's not the sixteen shot, but. Penelope Cruz is on the left there, right in the edge of frame, and she's perfectly sharp and very, yeah. very focused. And Josh Gad's at the other end, and we just—it's going to have that punch for this thing that Christy does of keeping alive twelve suspects, plus the other three or four who uh, may or may not be, um, you know, un- under scrutiny. So the, the but the format was a, a lot about about escape. It was about. Um, Giving you know, the audience a reason to make this an
0: event, which as we, this is a conversation that comes up on, as you can imagine, this podcast over and over again. It's just you know everyone that comes on this and myself are just we're all a little worried and curious about where this is all evolving. Chris Nolan's been on this podcast uh, yeah. for Dunkirk, and I'm yeah. sure you guys had long conversations about about
3: all of this. We did, and and he was a big inspiration uh, in, in the way that he 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 does more. I hope we try to do more than simply saying. Taking some sort of—I can't speak for him, but for me—assuming um, some sort of dinosaurish uh, position about about film and about the format. There's a there's a reason here. You know, we're in a golden age of TV for, for starters. We have a million other ways that we can get entertainment and on devices of every right. size and shape. Um, so we really have to earn the right to invite people to the cinema and say it was worth your while. And so he was very flexible with. Not only did he shoot 65 IMAX. He a lot of that film is shot handheld, most of it, which in itself is a, is, a, is a pioneering kind of technique. The the, the cameras are so heavy and, right. and unwieldy. Heute van Hoijt did an, an absolutely masterly job in not only lighting it but but sort of the camera movement of it. And uh, it, there was a wonderful improvisatory quality, i.e., they they the, the, there was a necessity for them. There was an authenticity to the to the the use of of film, and which I, I think I do share with Chris Nolan. Uh, the idea that, at least in my view, and Keanu Reeves made such an interesting film yep. about this, you know, the, but in my, in my view that the, the the life of the celluloid and the silver in the celluloid and the, and, the, and 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 the the chemical movement, the photochemical part of it, involves um, uh, both science and art, and 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 somewhere in the intersection is a sort of human element which is. Uh, r- unlike the pixels that can be locked into every frame in the full digital version of things, contains a literally a living element, which is different frame to frame. Mm. And for me, that that is something that... It's not even if the audience intuit it, but I believe they do, but it, it becomes part of the... Event that you continue to try and construct inside an experience of inviting people to the cinema. So that is, for instance, saying to all these actors and to the crew, it's film, different ritual on set each day. It isn't just an open-ended. We'll, we'll, we're, we're shooting all
0: the time. Right. There's it, a finite amount of period of time. There's, yeah. there's a pressure on the actors too, which can work in, in your yeah. favor.
3: And there's a little bit of theatre that is, you know, loading the magazines and yeah. thinking, God, oh, all of this money and everything, and it's a couple of hands in a in a in a in a bag that you know has to not expose that film. Yeah. Um, before the the appropriate moment. Um, but it, but it, 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 if, if inside that, you know, you, you're producing in the actors a sense of event, and then when something like this, in addition to the format, but the format's trying to meet it, trying to be congruent with all of these things, the event of such a film is in a single shot mm. to start at one end of the room with Willem Dafoe in close-up and realising there's a figure at the back somewhere, can't see, a sort of blurry figure. And, and as you pass... Michelle Pfeiffer, Penelope Cruz and Judy Dench, you get to see the blurry figure at the back and he is Johnny Depp and we haven't cut and you suddenly realise why in some subtle way you were pretty intrigued by the guy at the back (laughs) Uh, at the same time as you, you you are aware that and this was such an Masterclass for me to watch that all of these kinds of actors have a technique, have a familiarity, and a kind of ease in front of a camera and with a technical process that means without showing off or without sort of elbowing for position, you know that if Penelope Cruz knows that she has maybe a second as she passes the camera while you're tracking somewhere else, that something will happen there. That isn't merely, as it were, you know, she scratches her nose, uh, but just that there is a, an awareness and a sort of placing of the character uh, at that point that just gives you this 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 extra kind of free song You get a b- bit of detail as well as this sort of meta thing yeah. of going, you know, sort of God, they were all in the same place at the same time. That that pretty interesting group of people. What was that like? How
0: much How much did uh, when Johnny Depp arrives on set? Did it did it hurt him in the gut to realize that for once he was not did not have the most unusual facial hair on a film? He's <laughs> like wait, that's my thing. I have the funny hat. I do the funny hair. What are you doing, Ken?
3: Uh, he, uh, he got the sideboards prize, though, because he's, he's got two t- really super uh, downward triangle sideboard uh, things. Did he, did he bring any ideas that you had to
0: Nick's? Because, I mean, this is – yeah, it's not like – he's actually a very classical kind of movie star in this. Oh, like a yeah. really, like – we haven't seen him in a while, which is kind of pleasurable.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I think that he responded to that. I think that he, he kind of um, – I remember once being in a discussion with a couple of actors, uh, uh, and, and one was asking the other, "So, what are you going to do? Uh, what are you going to do in this scene? Are you going to do something, or are you going to do nothing?" <laughs> and, and the other actor said, "I'm going to do something." Oh, great! Then I'll do nothing. <laughs> and then they turned to me and said, "So he's doing something, I'm doing nothing." That's amazing. Um, but with uh, with with Johnny, just again, he's got the sort of um, instinct that just basically was trying to find out what, what what's truthful for the character as 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 Michael Green's screenplay seems to demand and then what would amuse him and he he went back into period gangster research of the Dillinger's and so on mm. particularly Dillinger and um and and also we were we were quite sort of direct about saying you know um having been Creating a, a range of the most uh, sort of uh, you know unforgettable um, movie exotics mm. uh, across a brilliant career with with performances I believe nobody else could possibly have given and one of my favorite performances in movies is is Johnny Depp in Ed Wood I cannot I cannot think of another Ed Wood is, another a, rac- is a perfect movie uh, <laughs> it's, I, it's an I amazing so. performance and yeah. it, it, it is and it's quite it was really inspiring because. It, it, so he can he 's literally done th- things that just n- nobody else seems to do, so he has got that adventurousness, that experiment, that pioneering thing, but he also he 's smart, so he he knows that you know you do do what it requires, so the whole plot revol- revolves around Samuel ratchet to, for us to have Johnny was such a sort of gift for the for the piece, and also that he genuinely um, doesn 't mind being perceived as a as a as a as a, as a bad guy, as the character, right, um, and just has that sort of he has that freedom uh, that that uh, still allowed that character to be as char- as charismatic and to make as many waves for the characters in the, in the story and for us as an audience as, as Agatha Christie intended. So, uh, but I think he actually he, he relished kind of being as it were you know, tall, dark, and handsome.
0: Yeah, yeah. As I said, it's refreshing in a way. Um, I, I want to talk about some, you know, we talked about Johnny. Um, we should also talk about some some familiar faces that you have in this cast. And, it, uh, you know, it, it struck me when I was, like, looking back at your career. Um, I mean, your links with Dame Judi Dench and Derek Jacobi go way back in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, I believe they both directed you way For back sure. when. You yeah. directed them relatively early on in your career. Yeah. And what occurred to me was, uh, you know, as is well known, if anybody knows your work, like you, you know, in your twenties, you became very celebrated pretty early on in a, in a career. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, Even before Henry V uh, on stage You were directing Paul Schofield And and, like Legends Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you Was there a struggle in terms of like Did they question your merits, your ability Or did they have full confidence in you Do you remember like having to earn the trust Of the likes of Schofield and Judi
3: Dench, etc Yeah, most certainly And and, you know, not surprisingly um, I remember One of the most satisfying sort of Arcs of experience with an actor was to very early on see Paul Schofield in his Academy Award winning performance as Sir Thomas Moore in the film A Man for All Seasons mm. by Fred Zinnemann, uh, from the play by Robert Bolt one of the, uh, for me one of the great performances of a good man, that difficult thing to portray, right. it's, it's perhaps more more immediately effective to be playing the villain but a complex good man and still seems sexy, he did that he won the Oscar Best Actor in 66 um, and uh, or 67, I can't remember but uh, to then um find myself um working with him uh and uh asking him to be in Henry V and going for what was effectively the audition at Brown's Hotel in London. Um where And he had a very distinctive voice. So I remember he said, How how are you going to do this film? Uh and uh he of course had played Henry V famously, along with a million other things that he'd done, and uh, I took him. I took him through uh, w- what I thought, and then and then I thought, Sh- dare, dare I give him this note? Um, which is, um, I said. And so the French King, he used to play the French King in, in, in Henry V. Um, at one stage, was was, um, was thought to be mad because he believed for a while that he was made of glass. And I just saw his eyes light up, and you'd, so you didn't need to say anything else to an actor like that. That's just a little. That's a stone in the pool of an imagination that that um, that liked that kind of note. And then you almost intuitively, I know. Shut up now, Ken. I think that got him. Yep. That got him, and indeed it did. He 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 played and rehearsed in it. He was wonderfully. Um, he listened. Fred Zinneman, who directed him in *A Man for All Seasons*, came onto the set. Was a Great, great, great thrill Amazing. for us. We couldn't yeah. speak. Uh, although Schofield then told the story of how on that movie, um, when Zinnerman was directing Schofield and Orson Welles, um, that... He said Fred was wonderful. He said because he just stepped aside because there was obviously no way in which Orson was not going to be directing those scenes, and, <laughs> and he did. He just. If came. Orson's in the room. He's he, probably he's, he, whether he's
0: directing it or not. He's directing. And of
3: course, Paul Scofield had played the part in the theatre. Fred's already uh, Oscar-winning, mm. you know, filmmaker of, of major status. But no, they all cleared back. Orson came <laughs> in and, and, and he did his thing. But then, uh, then cut to um, like a year later. We're on tour with our theatre company. We're at. We're in Los Angeles playing at the Mark Taper Forum When I'm staying at the Oakwood Apartments I don't know if you're yep. aware of <laughs> the those infamous, from, yep. The infamous Oakwood Apartments they're, they're, I remember getting there and people just, They're just on the, 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 the valley side uh, in, in LA And uh, people say they're, they're for tr- transients Basically people between marriages or studio executives Who have just got sacked or whatever <laughs> And, and uh, we were there with our theatre company And a handwritten envelope Arrived at the Oakwood Apartments But already it seemed weird because it was from an address uh, in, in Sussex in England uh, Hazelmere. So it was already. It felt like I was getting a letter from 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 <laughs> from Shakespeare or something. Anyway, somehow Paul schofield had found out that I was on tour and I was working at the Oakwood. Ap- the first, ap- first and only letter ap- he's written to the Oakwood Apartments yeah. in his career. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And everything about it was just like when two worlds collide. And he uh, he he wrote this very simple letter. He said he said I have just been to see your film of uh, Henry V, and. Uh, all, all I can say, he said, is, and he just put this three times in uh, in capitals: total, total, total. <laughs> thank you. And uh, so, uh, so I'm assuming that meant good. I think so. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, it was just, and it was so sweet of him to do that. It, it was. Uh, he he was such a uh, a hero. Yes, of course you had to earn your your, uh, your 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 spurs or whatever. But you know what I learned about somebody like that is. So this guy couldn't have been more experienced couldn't have been a bigger star a hero to all of us who worked on that they're the ones who are so ready to listen to it's uh, the ones that uh, are secure enough in their and yeah, that it's, act, they want to be
0: stimulated they yeah. want to collaborate and
3: also particularly they they want to be encountering youthful energy and uh, ideas yeah. you know just that so it was uh, it was really, it was a fantastic experience. He's, he absolutely is one of my acting heroes, I must say. Uh, just a, a few days ago in that seat,
0: uh, Taiko Waititi came by. to A charming man and, and a very talented filmmaker. Uh, obviously uh, inherited the mantle a bit from you. Two films removed from your wonderful Thor with with Ragnarok. Remember when we, we spoke about Cinderella you were excited that they were going to tackle Ragnarok. That was yeah. always something you thought they, they yeah. should do. They've obviously done a whole different kind of a thing than you would have done, which sure, is sure, sure. that's a filmmaker's prerogative. You want sure. a different filmmaker to do a different yeah. thing. Um, have you
3: seen it? I haven't, but okay. I will. I, 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 yeah. I literally haven't had time, but I will. I love the trailers. As I've been reading about it, I I, I love the sort of completely confident and joyful tone. Um, it doesn't feel like they've, like, screwed up your,
0: your pond here, like everything you built up, they were kind of having fun with? <laughs> I think, but fun's
3: good. The, yeah. the the I remember we, I mean, because... It's such a thrill that, you know, they've got the chance to do that when... You had a different task. You, we had a different task. And you, remember, we were at a point in the, in the development of the old MCU where we were going to be, the, like, the third film out of the blocks and the one, for sure, they were most worried about, <laughs> tonally. I mean, you know, you've got, you've got guys in tights riding horses across rainbow bridges in outer space um, and, and a mythology to deal with and a fish-out-of-water thing. The tone you know, and I remember uh, Kevin Feige, who I love, was always saying, Kenny, just the, just Thor can't be Fabio? He can't be Fabio. That's the, <laughs> just don't let that happen. So it's not going to happen. Kevin. I mean, you're not going to let it happen." So, and, but Kevin w- was in touch just recently, and he, he was, uh, you know, um, we, we get on very well, and I'm, I'm very uh, fond. Um, um, feelings towards all, all my Marvel family, and for, for and I felt privileged to be part of that. And they've always been very kind to me. Subsequently, anyway, you wrote a note just to say, um, you know, we're we're really thrilled with the Thor, and as you know, it's a it's a great fun space adventure. He said, but you know what? Right at the end, there's a there's a moment that we get to. It surprises we all got a bit choked by it, where Patrick Doyle's theme comes back in, and Thor right, has to right. do something yeah. without a spoiler uh, alert there that. Uh, felt like it was a, it was a kind of arc back to that, yeah I mean one of the things i 'm really thrilled for uh, the the franchise is that uh, Chris is so released in this you know and uh, you know he 's a um, uh, an actor that we still haven 't seen the best of, and we've still and we 've seen plenty of great stuff, but they found a terrific director and and, um, and performer indeed uh, and somebody with a real real point of view and, and i think Hats off to Marvel for doing that, yeah. you know, and for for sort of understanding that a strong point of view, really well carried out, as it seems that, that clearly is, is is, uh, is something that will help keep that that thing breathing. So there was no need to. It, 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 in a way, I was just so happy that you could have the the luxurious problem or challenge of what tone do we adopt for this thing that now that now found its way. Totally. I mean, it found its way because the fans were ready to. Who, you know go for it there's no question that uh, you know we did our best but the the fans of the you know the mcu you know opened their arms wide and said uh, you know uh, i mean not uncritically but they they welcomed a character that they might otherwise have dismissed is there
0: uh, since thor have you t- discussed with feige ever helming another film
3: whether thor or another character um, we, we haven't really. Um, we, we've certainly met and talked over the years. He's, he's a great. Um, he loves movies, and yeah. uh, what, what I, I think one of the reasons that Marvel has worked so well is that. Um, Kevin and those uh, around Kevin of which there are really significant players in Luis Esposito and Victoria Alonso and, and the various executives who've made a big difference there but is, is the a genuine enthusiasm for comic books and comic book movies and, and a kind of um, an honesty and a sort of humility as well actually very very. I feel like these are the same guys nearly 10 years on who were nervously sort of um, you know getting ready to deliver the, that that movie they do put their, they do put their their hearts into it yeah. it's always been about the the I know they run the entire world and have made squinty 20, 20 splinty billion for the company but the 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 work was what mattered and it was it's interesting to see uh, for me it was it was very moving to see when I had the privilege of being shown Dunkirk for the first time in the summer by Christopher Nolan. Uh, not only was he, but he also said, as did Emma, the ter- pair of them were together, it was just me watching it that afternoon they said, we feel quite vulnerable at the moment uh, we've, it's finished and it's we, you know, we've got, um. I, I was really heartened to hear that, there was no side, it was just a straight up and down they were vulnerable about the movie, vulnerable about the fact that I was going to see it, and, and sort of the fact that they happily admitted I thought, oh, God, I've, I I've found that extremely healthy and inspiring. Yeah, there's that, no
0: filmmaker that, that has license to feel more confident. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we're no one at this point.
3: Well, at this point. But, but, as you, but as you know, going into that, I mean, you know, uh, we live in the world we live in. So, uh, okay, guys, pitching you this next thing. So I just want to be clear up front. Uh, no movie stars. Uh, yeah, three no, different time frames yes, no <laughs> americans uh, no romance uh, no no women and it's about a british uh, military uh, defeat or let's call it a retreat so what do you think Sound, <laughs> sounds pretty exciting yeah um they, that was a that was ballsy always around for 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 chris and Emma no. and for the studio no
0: i love that he's kind of become like he's he's uber franchise he is the franchise at this point he yeah. is he is the reason to come to a movie like Spielberg was back yeah. in the day and yeah. still is yeah um you know speaking of franchises and you, you know you've, you've been around a, a few um just randomly I'm just curious you know because it, it comes up for, for, for so many has Bond ever entered the picture <laughs> in terms of directing villain Bond himself over the years I'm just curious has that entered
3: uh, what, not, not really no not in, in in none of those departments certainly not and not, never Bond himself uh, but um uh, the, the, you know the, the I, I guess a, any british character actor is occasionally considered uh, for uh, bond villains, but i no, i 've never been near one of those and uh, directing hasn 't come up either but i really one of my nice sort of um, memories of sort of film camaraderie was um being in the in the on the same corridor as uh, uh barbara Broccoli and, and and michael glenn um, uh, uh michael g wilson run um, uh, when i was making jack ryan and they were making uh, skyfall oh wow and uh, it was it was it was fun to be having a cup of coffee you know down the down the corridor at pinewood and having a natter about about how the day would go and again i was we were talking earlier about Skyfall, weren't we so how many of those musics have they made how, how much sort of real estate in the world how, how secure and yet they were so sort of um uh, refreshingly, sort of um, excited about you know today's big shot, as if they'd never <laughs> blown something up again or whatever, or, or had him jump off a high building or whatever it was, and uh, and also sort of humble about the, um, the the difficulties of doing it and the and the impossibility of of of, of sort of resting on your laurels. Right. There was a desire to make things better, and uh, it was uh, it was impressive, but uh, but also frankly. You couldn't uh, – I, I got, you know, I'm pretty nerdy and fan-like walking down that corridor. You walk past those posters and everything and – Was it, it t- at Pinewood or where that was Pinewood? it? Pinewood, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, Murder on the Orient Express is, is about those early – is about for me a connection to an early experience of movies at the movie theater, and Bond was part of that for sure. Yeah, um, and that yes, that sort of size the sense particularly that you're you're definitively travelling to another place, and you'll you'll definitely feel that you were there and understand it in a in a in a sort of um, fantastic cinema tourist kind of way.
0: You are talking, you know, the, the word humility has come up a, a couple times in our conversation here. Um, I, I'm curious, like, you know, again, dovetailing with what we were talking about, sort of, like, directing Schofield relatively early on and having, like, that that early clout in your career, did you feel... Like, if I had met you in your 20s, were you a cocky son of a bitch? (laughs) Did you you have humility then? I mean, did you need kind of, like, to be uh, taken down a peg at some point? Or or, uh, just give me a sense of sort of where you were at then, and if if there was a point where you felt um, a misstep, whether of your own or the audience deciding something was a misstep, was needed
3: for you. Well, I don't know if it was needed. And to be honest, I I couldn't tell you. I might well have been an absolute arse. I mean, I don't... (laughs) I'm sensing no, but I'm guessing. But (laughs) probably not. But I, I I was definitely somebody who was uh, on one level. I think I didn't get a chance to be a real ass because I was so busy. You know, you just didn't have the you didn't have the room to be. You know, kicking up. You know, I'm sure as I find anyway. The I don't mind a bit of uh, temper in people. A bit of passion is good. Means they care about stuff. You know, cruelty and you know people bullying people is not good, Um, and so I don't um, particularly approve of that, Um, and try to avoid doing it. Even though sometimes, when you are obsessive, you know, in pursuit of these creative moments, yeah, yeah. sometimes you can do things you wish you 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 hadn't. But um, uh, I think. I think that basically it 's a background thing you know my my parents cardinal sin was for you to was to sort of to the idea that you 'd get above yourself you know that you would the idea was to be fair with everybody and also they were proud working class folk uh, did not so were not were, they were not cowed by uh, as it were the high ups even though they were very conscious of the class system in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but they didn't believe they were necessarily better people. They definitely <laughs> than anybody else, you know. And they were very, We lived in a sort of you know, uh, um, in a world where the di- religious differences were were, were, uh, were sometimes part of sort of everyday language. And even at that time, we're Protestants um, um, who lived in a street that also had Catholics, and they were always very. They instilled basic values about the re- respect for other people, mm. and um, and uh, just don't be. Don't, don't be don't be cocky be kind to people and you know all these things that sound a bit sort of waltonish and sappy but um i saw it happen practically and also i saw it enforced quite practically because if i was you know not behaved in the way they like in those days i'm not saying i approve of this sure. but i certainly received a clip round the ear on on a number of occasions yeah
0: was uh... In your capacity at
3: RADA, what is your capacity at RADA now? You're the... I am called president at RADA, there you um, go. at least on the notepaper. Um,
0: do, 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 you, do you teach often? I mean, do you have classes? I mean, and is that something that is, is rewarding for you?
3: Certainly I've, I've contact uh, with the, the academy that includes things like that. So uh, in this last year, for instance, I did a sort of poetry workshop with mm. some of the first years. And then um, when we uh, prepared for our production of Hamlet, I, I did Shakespeare auditions with the whole with all of the third years, and I was involved in judging the physical stage combat evening where they all have to get a certificate and they each have to do a, mm. a fight from a play or a movie or whatever. And uh, so in that sense, you get to, you know, see everybody at work. And it's, it's incredibly rewarding and, and almost always um, um, sort of kind of moving to go to go in the front door there because hey it's been there for over 100 years and uh, uh I went in that door when I was 17 not knowing you know whether you'd get past the first round of the audition and you come back you know nearly 40 years later and and uh with a different relationship to the place and it's a uh, each time you go in, I, frankly, I can't not think about the 17-year-old kid. I'm sure. The years fall away, and you, uh, without indulging in just some sort of um, daft nostalgia, you, you're just very, very aware that actually if you can make some kind of contribution now, it's really important because you know the 17-year-old you was really grateful for it. We, when we knew there was a council meeting... And those famous faces were going to come in for the day. I mean, we would skip classes and just hang about in order to be in the doorway or in the front hallway when John Gielgud or Richard Attenborough uh, or Anthony Hopkins came through the door. I mean, we just were
2: breathless
3: with excitement. So, the and it, some of it was just. Uh, they were legends but some of it was uh, just working actors if they came back and they could talk to us the, the mystery that is wow how does it well, what goes so on the out there it might also like, rub off on us perhaps yeah yeah and just sort of tell <laughs> what's it like out
2: there us so <laughs> the locked
0: up in here almost literally yeah, exactly. <laughs> is um is, is Hamlet the text you think you'll always come back to in some capacity I mean I don't know how many different productions you've directed or or been in but it's it's probably quite a number by this point
3: yeah um well, well it certainly, maybe this last encounter with Tom is, is maybe the last time, I don't know. But I, I certainly, in working on it, um, uh, it felt as revelatory to me, but from an entirely different standpoint in my life, uh, it seemed for me to be about... Um, you know, loss, and and frank, frankly, murder on the Orient Express, in its different way, w- was a parallel thematic experience of, of um, essentially, uh, looking at how human beings have to handle loss. You know, mm. the one the one thing we know when we arrive on this planet is that we're going to be leaving it, and that law of averages says that probably those we know and love will leave ahead of us, and we'll have to deal with that loss. And right. we discover that it is it is difficult or painful or or, or it's it, it's 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 not easy to. Arrive at whatever accommodation you have with that. Some people talk about death as you know, a wonderful new birth, uh, an an awakening, and everything, and can get philosophical and and sort of deep about it. Other people just find it is incredibly painful to lose someone that you love, and um, that that's at the bottom of both of these pieces of work. And the call in Hamlet for, at least as it as it spoke to me this time, of just. Attention, as they, Arthur Miller says at the end of uh, "Death of a Salesman," attention must be paid. Attention must be paid, and it, you know, the passing of human beings. Attention must be paid. Ritual must find its way, whether it's conventional and funerals, or but but it must happen. In Hamlet, it is frustrated. In Murder on the Orient Express, it is frustrated. And when that is frustrated, then deep suppressed suffering in human beings will spill out in some other kind of way. They need they need catharsis and therapeutic release of all of these tremendously painful feelings and uh, so it felt to me like strikingly modern mm. uh, as, as opposed to maybe the the the, the that, that younger man finding his place in the world from the inside that that uh, I engaged with uh, earlier on all the larger political thing but of course Tom was finding all sorts of things that had never crossed my mind but i so again there was the the, the thrill of just seeing somebody yep. open it up, and people ask me, why do you do things again? Well, for that reason, I came to Hamlet having i don 't know how many times i 'd been in it or played it or watched it, and it was it was a it was a revelation to see it under the bright light that was tom hiddleston 's intelligence and yeah. performance um, quality and 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 from a sort of emotional point of view, feeling the weight of the play um, sort of kind of in a different way. Celebrating and compassionately understanding what it is to be a human being, which is a great big flawed, beautiful miracle. I, I tend to be, you know, obsessed with this.
0: Um, this generation that we're currently seeing kind of light up the, the big screen in terms of the great Brits and Scotsmen and Aussies that, that many of which that, that you've you know you you really helped launch obviously uh, Tom and, and Chris but you know uh, Cumberbatch is just so talented and, like, and I'm, I, I revel in trying to ruin their careers by having them do silly sketches with me and I'm, I'm kind of knocking them off one by one I just said well i Cumberbatch I need Fastbender next McAvoy I've ruined like three different times um is there is there someone that that you're itching to kind of play with, whether like actor to actor or as a director? Um, you've worked with a lot of them, but I would imagine some of them still
3: must excite you. Just oh the- yeah, no, that, I mean all the names you've mentioned are very very talented. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the, and I, I just I had a ball working with Tom on this one. I I'd love to direct Chris again. Really really love to do that. Really, yeah. and, and I think Benedict is. is also has, as they all have, they've handled um, these sort of intense periods of sort of hyper scrutiny oh and sort of walked through it and still producing good work, which is, uh, you know, is, is, um, is, is, is impressive on a professional professional level. If the internet had existed like when you were in your 20s and like
0: you were kind of like coming of age yeah. and all that there would be, and there probably still are yeah. memes galore, oh, and yeah. obsessions with like, you know, needing you to like dance on a bed with Josh for hilarity. <laughs> <Helaverty. laughs> <laughs> like you, you evaded a lot of that, <laughs> by the way. You came away with your class so it worked uh, out in the end.
3: <laughs> I, no, I, th- no I, I parked Dignity at the door on numerous occasions for, for, for many different things and, and uh, as soon as you become as soon as you sign up uh, for acting, you realize, you know you know what, you've got to... All of these are beautiful ways to, uh, uh, as my parents would say, you can get over yourself.
0: Right. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, Cruel to talk about what's next, but I know there are a couple of potential interesting projects that you are going to be directing next. Do you know which one is going to happen? Uh, the, the next
3: movie I'll direct is, is Artemis Fowl for which, Disney.
0: Which is a big one. People have been talking about that for a while. And, yeah. And uh, uh, another... Um, a property there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on i would
3: imagine sure yeah yeah the i mean the the the, the good news and i think it's only good news in the end is that, that those stories and that character have a have a have a have a community of people passionately interested out there yeah. so yeah they'll have strong views and, and you've been through it before you can handle yeah, it that's okay <laughs> i mean it's just it's nice when people are passionate about things yeah. isn't it it's just uh, we should be so lucky um so, uh, uh it, it's, uh, it's often quite helpful actually to understand when, you know, even if you make decisions that ultimately may not please, uh, diehard fans, but if you're aware of where their kind of passionate likes and dislikes uh, lie, then, um, you know, you, 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 you have information and, yeah. uh, uh, so, so, I, I always view that as a as a, as a privilege rather than. The, it, if you're going to be intimidated by that kind of thing, you really shouldn't be doing it. And you, because the other thing you then try and do is second guess, and you can't make right. fifty versions of Artemis Fowl for fifty different kinds of people who prefer this or that about right. the character. You hope also that um, people understand this idea about the translation from another medium that just um, does not. Does not kill the original right hopefully it wouldn 't spoil the fun for people who haven 't yet seen the original, but is making a response in a, in a different medium
0: yeah um, well uh, you know congratulations on this one it 's it's it's an interesting marriage of, of a lot of things that you 've kind of dealt with before, whether you 've wor- worked with some great ensembles um, you obviously we 've talked about you know the, just from the filmmaking standpoint, the use of seventy millimeter um, you know we 've geeked out about dead again, returning to kind of those kind of thriller roots or sleuth um, it, it seems like this one made sense for you in a lot of ways and the proof's and the pudding and on the big screen um i hope you had a good time with it hopefully maybe we'll see more poirot in another adventure be, there's certainly a
3: tease there's a tease there's a tease i know i loved uh, i love playing him and i found that um as the 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 as the important projects in, in your creative life do they keep giving you something right from the very beginning um and all the way through, these are you, you, you live with these for quite a long time, and, and uh, so both the character and the subject matter I found richly rewarding, very illuminating. I learnt a lot, yeah. a lot from, and I learnt a lot from working with these actors. It was really, it was so fascinating to, as Poirot, uh, the detective searching for truth, and as the director searching for the truth, the performers to sit there. I, it gave me some extra little ratchet of concentration. On the glories we were talking earlier Did on, you got about. a little OCD rub off on you. Yeah, Let's oh, go yeah, for a director. I know, out. not, a bit of a neat freak to, to, uh, <laughs> emerge. But 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 watching, as you say, when you do something like uh, seventy mil, it, it's not just that it serves up the spectacle in a in a, in a sort of full blooded way uh, that encourages you to be in a dark room, but it is those close ups. So w- when you watch especially when you're watching people in interview situations where it's a matter of life and death, their response to these questions about who may have murdered this man and, indeed, was it them. Body language and subtlety of thought are so powerful. And so to be able to read that kind of sort of invisible stuff really close up, in, I don't know, Penelope Cruz came into my mind though, yeah. just as I was thinking, just because she gets asked sort of pretty directly about whether she's lying or not and... Um, she gives a great reaction and then there's a sort of beat and then she just blinks once and you could you almost feel her trying to fight it and we get to cut after that and it really it leaves a you know big impression it just it reminds you that if, if uh, sort of thought and intention is behind it, it's, it's interesting watching people think. Watching yeah. people think if they happen to look like Penelope Cruz, it's, <laughs> it's, helps pretty, it's pretty nice watching people think.
0: Is this is the first conversation about the movie that hasn't spent twenty minutes talking about your facial hair. I feel like
3: <laughs> I feel almost like I screwed up. Uh, <laughs> it's the it's the it's the double-swirled elephant in the room, Josh. That's what it is. It's like a mustache gave birth to another
0: mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Attention must be paid to go back to Arthur Miller.
3: Attention must be paid to that to that. That, uh, mustache and if you, uh, if, you if, you'd, if you'd spent the mornings I had trying to negotiate my breakfast while knowing that I've got to eat because I'll be hangry if I don't um, but we had, to, we had to deliver on... on in, in the books, uh, Agatha Christie makes so much of the immensity of the moustache and, and its immediate impact, which this one clearly seems to have had, on, on those who <laughs> witness it for the yeah. first time. The people are ready to, 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 to make an assumption. And uh, often in in the, in the books, it's to disregard or ridicule uh, Poirot to assume that he is vainglorious, mm. dandyish or whatever it is. And, of course that in itself is a nice great big statement early on of of saying yeah, yeah I am me, I am different, I am happy with it, I am happy with my moustache, <laughs> so if that means you don't want to speak to me or you find me um, amusing or, or you, you, you feel superior then, then uh, so be it and, and while all that's happening or they're laughing at his broken English, an accent that he it says in the book, she has him say, no, I can speak perfectly good idiomatic English. I choose not to because it's much easier. Mm. They, they, they think you're a silly little foreigner. And uh, and then people come up with, um, you know, the... Lines like the one in the murder of Roger Ackroyd where someone said, so, someone very annoyed with him said, you could, you could tell his profession immediately with that ridiculous mustache. He is clearly a retired hairdresser. <laughs> so, I mean, a, a fairly comprehensively patronizing to a vast group of people Belgians, mustache wearers, hairdressers. You <laughs> a lot in one sentence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, come for the 70 millimeter if you can. Uh, come for Penelope Cruz and Michelle Pfeiffer and Daisy Ridley and, and uh, Johnny Depp and, and stay for the mustache and Judy Dench. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ken, it's honestly, it's always such an honor to talk to you. Uh, you're welcome here anytime, and uh, good luck with the film,
3: man. Thanks, Josh. Really enjoy it. Lovely to see you.
0: And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>